probability that one or more team members may be infected by intruder organism. 75%. If intruder organism reaches civilized areas, entire world population infected 27,000 hours from first contact. Welcome back to the Thing Minute Podcast, where we discuss John Carpenter's 1982 science fiction horror masterpiece, The Thing, one minute at a time. I'm Harper W. Harris from HarperWHarris.com, and joining me again today is... Crystal Beth from TheCrystalBeth.com, and the Fifth Element Podcast and Unlimited Lives Radio Podcast. Changing it up. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so- I was like, I want to say things different. And um, just just for kicks, just to throw in a few few little extra plugs here. Um, I know you guessed on like uh, all of the movies by minutes shows, as we mentioned earlier in the week. What what are some of the ones you've done uh, recently? Oh man, recently! Oh, that's the hardest question of them all. <laughs> um, my most recent was I think DC Cinematic Minute that you were just a part of as well. Mm-hmm. With uh, you had them on as your guests, yeah, and, and I was, they were talking about how lovely that you were. Yeah, oh, well, that's nice. But <laughs> I was, I was on theirs as well. For uh, I was at, near the beginning of Batman versus Superman. Um, oh, okay, a, a, yeah, a pretty long while back now. Um, so yeah, that's I love those guys. They're awesome. Yeah, that's they're really fun and they're so knowledgeable. Yes, and I was on a Ferris <laughs> Bueller recently, Ferris Bueller minute, awesome. and then my gosh, I've just. Let's see if I can remember them. Uh, five Minutes of Trouble, Airport Minute, Alien, Back to the Future, Disney Minute, Evil Dead, Goonies, Gremlins, Harry Potter, Indiana Jones, Jurassic Park, <laughs> uh, The Burbs, The Living Dead, Never Ending Story, Tombstone, uh, Star Wars Minute, obviously, Seinfeld Minute, Princess Bride, Minute of Darkness, Mad Max Minute. Wow. Oh my gosh, I know there's more. <laughs> Toy <laughs> Story a- Minute, Star Trek, I said before. Return to Oz minute. Wow. Indiana Jones. Ah, uh, there's, I'm missing three, I think. Lord of the Rings. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't remember. This can't is like remember. a Simon Says game. Do you, are you like yeah. memorizing these as you go, like adding to the list? <laughs> I'm trying, yeah, because I'm trying, I try to go by order. Did I say Back to the Future minute? Probably. I think so. Anyway. Yeah, Gremlins. Damn. Of course. So this, uh, the oh, uh, National Lampoon's Christmas, the one that's coming out the month of Christmas. Oh, as of now, my minutes would have been released. I think two weeks ago. I think I was released December sixteenth on them. Man, that is insane. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the show notes for this uh, this minute are going to be an extended version with links to a whole bunch of podcasts. This is going to be great. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you could alternatively, instead of the show minutes, you could just go to moviesbyminutes.com probably. <laughs> yes, right? Man, that's awesome. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's really fun. So um, today for this movie, The Thing, uh, we are digging into minute 93, which uh, begins with uh, just a, a second of um, of, Nals, or of them uh, cutting open the gas tank on the Caterpillar. And then ends a minute later of uh, them uh, lighting another flare as they've uh, they've just finished blowing up 
like 90% of the base and they're deciding where to go next. So this minute is like 85% explosions. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um, oh, it's awesome. What yeah. is in these rooms that all of them are exploding so much? Yeah, so like this first one, um, the first room that they come across, it seems like it's just, um, all they do is throw the Molotov cocktail in there, which first of all, looks pretty real. <laughs> like yeah. looking at it at first, I was like, oh, he's probably just throwing like an empty bottle with like a lit, rag in it and then they've already got some kind of some kind of fire thing rigged up to go but i don't know <laughs> the more i look yeah. at it up close it looks like he might be really throwing a real Molotov cocktail in that room yeah i will if it's not real they did a really good job with it yeah no kidding and and it wouldn't be it wouldn't be that unusual for this movie to have the actors throwing actual like f- explosives or using real flamethrowers and stuff like that because we've seen that plenty of times already so we already know that John Carpenter has a very low uh, <laughs> low threshold for safety on set in this movie. So maybe, who knows? Um, but yeah, that room is just a fire. But the others, it seems like their strategy, they throw some dynamite in before they throw the Molotov cocktail, which is like, I don't know, one of the other would probably do the trick. <laughs> right. Um, They're just got to be sure because they, they have an unlimited supply of dynamite. So why not use it all? It's true. It's very video game. Uh, this 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 minute is kind of video game esque. Yeah, um, they literally never run out of flares or dynamite. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, McCready's always got it strapped to his chest, but we never see any less than like a full rack of of dynamite strapped to him. <laughs> yeah. So basically, this whole minute is just them. They're kind of just going through the hallways and one by one throwing dynamite and Molotov cocktails into the rooms. So every every place that we've seen up until this point is is getting destroyed. The first thing I had on my notes about it is just is it's uh it's all pretty convincing. Like, you know, just watching it without really analyzing it, like it feels very legitimately like these guys are walking down this hallway and blowing the stuff up and they're getting these explosions are like right behind them. Like Yeah. Uh it's very, very well edited in that way, I guess. Yeah, and that I would be afraid that as I was blowing up these rooms, there would be like a gas line or something that <laughs> would just start exploding everything else behind me. I'd be like, let's be a little bit more careful. Yeah, there are a lot of like tubes above, like above all the doors, and I'm like, they could have something flammable in there. Be careful. <laughs> yeah, like I would hope, I would hope that somebody would have come to check that out first, but. I don't know. <laughs> given, given the safety standards we've seen so far, I'm not sure that that's the case. Right. <laughs> um, I think it's it's worth noting that, um, you know, these shots of the, of not when the actors are in it, but these kind of shots that are moving backwards as the explosions are happening in the room. Um, this really is the set exploding, like the actual set up in British Columbia. Uh, really? It is because they um, basically, they blew up this base and then they used this... Um, well, actually, you know, I could be wrong about this because there's also the explosion at the end of the movie. So it's one of the, one of the other or a combination of both are the actual sets in British Columbia because they use the um, the ex- blown up version of this base as the Norwegian space in the beginning of the movie, which is a oh. very clever uh, budgetary uh, thing, I think. <laughs> That's smart. Yeah. It's cool because on top of it just being like, hey, let's save a bunch of money and instead of building a real base and then also a like dilapidated base, 
we'll just blow one up and use it for the other. But it also, it makes the Norwegian base even more like a perfect mirror of what these guys see is going to happen to them later. Yeah. Uh, it's a pretty cool, like visual metaphor kind of thing too. That's awesome. And it's in the snow. So we'd have no idea if it was in the same spot. Yeah, exactly. Like they just look at it from a different angle, basically. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I thought, I always thought that was kind of cool, but yeah, these, um, it's, it's pretty neat. I love the, the, the shots. I'm imagining they did it all in, in just a couple shots where the camera's kind of moving backwards through the hallway and they've got these timed explosions to go off, like just after the camera passes the door. Like, um, yeah, I, I'd be worried for the camera guy's safety in these, uh, in some of these shots. Yeah, seriously. It's, Man, uh, it's crazy. Yeah. So I was trying to, the other thing uh, with this minute, um, cause there's not like a ton going on, obviously, besides all these explosions. The other thing I was trying to think of, I was trying to think of other movies where like the main location of the movie or like, uh, or like the ship, if it's like a sci-fi movie where they li- like literally destroy the entire thing at the end of the movie. Like I, I was trying to think of, there's not a whole lot of examples I could come up with where like, cause this is almost like the self-destruct sequence, right? Like, right. This like the main thing it remind the only real example I could think of was Alien, um, in which case you know they try and stop that from happening at, at some point after they trigger it. But um, yeah, like you know if there was any case where we're like, oh yeah, they'll they'll survive, like they'll just take care of Blair and then get out of here alive. Like no, they're literally destroying like their living quarters, and we know that there's you know outside of this base, like like outside of like a ten foot radius of this base, like they'll die in three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I rack in my brain and I can't think of a, I can't think off the top of my head. Alien was the one I was going to say, but yeah, very few people destroy their homes. Yeah. And, and especially given like in a movie like this, where literally the entire movie has taken place in this one place. It's not like this is just some one set of many in the movie. Like this, the entire movie's taken place here and now we're literally blowing it up piece by piece. Right. Um, yeah, I guess buy all the stuff. Bye bye. Yeah, <laughs> like maybe it's more. Maybe that's more of a video game trope than a than a movie trope. Because uh, I can think of, I, I can't think of an exact example, a specific example right off the top of my head. But I feel like there are a lot of games that end with you having to trigger a self destruct sequence and get out, like before it before it explodes. Yeah, um, there's like almost every one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I know there is a thing video game. I haven't been able to play it yet. It's it's a PlayStation 2 game. Um and uh it takes place right after this. It's just weird. It it's it's actually like a sequel to the movie, which is really strange. What? Um so like McCready shows up at some point in it, which is supposed to be one of the like I don't know if you count it as like canonical, but it's supposed to be one of the things that like shows that he survived or or whatever, but um How? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's something where like it's one of the things where, like, at the end of the game, if you've, like, 100%ed it, I think, then at the end of the game, it's revealed that, like, the helicopter pilot that saves you at the end of the game is McCready. Oh. Yeah, which is like, all right. <laughs> okay. But uh, but I'd love to know how the game takes place, given that they've literally destroyed everything at the end of this movie. Like, that's my main question. <laughs> yeah. They probably had uh, to make something up that's pretty stupid. Yeah, they're like, oh, like there's a underground complex that uh, survived somehow. I don't know. <laughs> and weird, there's a battery operated space heater. So crazy. Yeah, man, I'm just really lucky that that worked out that way. <laughs> yeah, McCready was the only one that knew that there was a backup generator. Yeah, one of those like very convenient little things for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So I was trying to think. I didn't have a. I don't have a ton of notes. Um, I did. We can check in on the script here. So basically, you know, in this part of the movie, um, their their solution to this problem is just to blow it up. Like like they're gonna just kind of self destruct everything so that uh, nothing can escape, including themselves. But in the script, it's um, it's actually much closer to um, the original thing from Another World movie. Uh, uh-huh. Have you ever seen that? No. It's uh, it's interesting. It doesn't have a whole lot in common with this movie, um, to be honest. It's like just the fact that there's a UFO in the ice uh, and that there's an alien at an Antarctic base. That's about the only thing they have in common. But um, John Carpenter was a huge, huge fan of that movie um, growing up. It was like one of the movies that uh, inspired him to become a, a filmmaker and everything. But so uh, in that movie, the monster, who's just like almost like a Frankenstein kind of alien, they the way they beat him is they lure him into the base and they've electrified the floor and so it's, they just basically trick him into walking onto this place and then they shock him to death. That's cool. Yeah, which is kind of neat. It's a cool. The ending of the movie is really pretty uh, pretty neat. But uh, basically, that's kind of what they're trying to do in the script in this movie is um, instead of blowing everything up, they're like uh, McCready theorizes that because they're the only ones left for the thing to imitate, that it's got to come for them eventually. Um, which I don't know if that's the most solid theory and not right. certainly, certainly one I would not want to, uh, want to go by in this situation. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so they basically he's using themselves as bait and they're just kind of holding up. They're like boarding up every entrance except for one and trying to get Blair to, to come into this one entrance where they they're wiring up a door to be electrified and like setting up explosives and stuff. So it's more of kind of a home alone ending to this movie. <laughs> yeah, I like the way that they did it. This is a better choice. Definitely a better better tonal fit for the movie, uh, what they do here for sure. Um, especially given that the movie ends exactly the same way in the script. So given that it's got this like very ambiguous, like nihilistic ending to the movie, I think this this works much better. Yeah. Me um, too. Well done, movie. Yeah, good job, John Carpenter. <laughs> Um, so, uh, since we're, uh, we don't have a ton in this minute, uh, this is probably a good chance to bring up, um, I always like to ask everybody kind of what your, uh, relationship is with other John Carpenter movies. Like, are, are you a big fan of his other movies? Do you have any other ones that are, you know, among some of your favorites or anything like that? Well, I do really enjoy Halloween. Mm-hmm. Obviously that's just a good one. And I'm, I don't, and big trouble in little China is just one of the funniest movies ever, yes. which I had not seen also until I did the movies by minutes podcast about it. Awesome. So I got to watch that. And I was like, how did I go this long with not watching this? And now, um, and I haven't seen escape from New York either. Oh, so man. I want someone to do that minute so I can watch it. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's one. I'm su- I'm shocked that nobody has grabbed that up yet. That seems like one that would be so fun to do. Yeah. And I, um, I think he's good at what he does. But yeah, like I said, the Halloween probably is my favorite thing that he did. That was the first scary movie I saw where I was like, this is a good scary movie. Yeah. And I think I was a little older. I saw a lot of scary movies when I was younger on accident by just kind of watching <laughs> movies I wasn't supposed to when my dad and mom were watching them. Yeah. Um, but I remember watching Halloween and just being like, yep, this is good. This is a really good one. And I love that he collaborates with the same people all the time. Yeah. It's really nice to see directors that do that because it's like they've got their 
comfy people that make them feel good and they know they're going to do good work. And it's like Simon Pegg, that whole crew. Yeah. It's, it's fun to watch because then you get excited when you see them again and you know that he cares for them. Yeah. And it is, it's one of those things too, where it's, it's, I mean, that's nice to know about. And, and it does, uh, obviously that has an effect on like their working relationship and they probably work better together if they've got like this, you know, long history together. But it's just one of those things too, where like, they're all growing as like in their craft at the same time. So they kind of, you know, riff off each other and learn from each other too. So you, you, they get a chance to kind of really develop all together, which is really kind of cool. Um, yeah. But it's interesting. It's, it's worth noting since you brought that up that like a lot of the people involved in this movie were not Carpenter regulars, which is kind of strange yeah. because this was his first big budget movie. Um, and so he kind of, uh, I mean, he, he definitely had some of the same people involved, but like um, the editor on this movie was not somebody he had worked with uh, or he'd worked with on one movie before, I think maybe um, on escape from New York. And right. um, yeah, the screenwriter was not somebody he had worked with before and some of the producers and cause yeah, this was like, this was a big deal for him. Cause he, before this, he was like the indie movie whiz kid that had made like a ton of money making a movie on nothing when he made Halloween. Yeah. So. And this, there's a really awesome, um, I'm sure you've, seen it but at the bottom of john carpenter's wikipedia there's a a chart of which movies people have oh i don't uh, think i've seen that so if you go to john carpenter's wikipedia at the very beginning i mean at the very end there's a recurring collaborators and the thing has three and then christine has one and those are the two lowest weird out of all of them and then the highest is escape from new york that's really cool. No, I haven't seen that before. That's that's exactly what uh, what I would need to see. <laughs> that's yeah. pretty cool. It's really awesome. And it says that uh, Peter Jason and Charles Cyphers, he's worked with, he's collaborated with six times and seven times. And those are the, the top two. And what, what do you know what they do? Uh, Jason, uh, Peter Jason is an actor. And then uh, Charles Cyphers is also an actor. And they've just basically done John Carpenter stuff. Man, that's awesome. Like Cyphers was the uh, sheriff in Halloween. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, and Peter Jason was in... uh, Oh, he was in Arachnophobia. That's funny. (laughs) I just went (laughs) to his... uh, I just went to his thing. He was in Deadwood. Desperate Housewives, too. So, fun stuff. He's actually in a lot. That's cool. Yeah. 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 These, uh, aside from Kurt Russell, um, I don't think any of these guys ever showed up in another Carpenter movie. Yeah. Um, which is, is too bad. Cause I love all these characters a lot. And, and a lot of them went on to do pretty cool. Uh, a lot of them went on to do a lot of good TV work. Um, Richard Dysart in particular was pretty famous for doing LA law after this, which is, uh, always funny to me. I was talking with somebody just a week or two ago about how somebody, I wonder, we were wondering if anybody on the cast of LA law ever went up to him and was like, what was it like when your arms got bit off? Is that cool? <laughs> <laughs> I bet that was cool as hell. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, most of these guys have had uh, had pretty interesting careers after this, but not with John Carpenter, which is uh, interesting. But, um, yeah, I think that's um, that's more or less everything I had for, uh, for this one. Did, did you have anything else for uh, the minute full of explosions? <laughs> nope, not at all. Cool. So, um, yeah, I think that'll wrap up Minute 93, but... Uh, make sure you can check us out in iTunes and all kinds of other uh, podcast um, 
places that you uh, can download your shows and everything like that. So regardless of where you listen, we always ask that people check us out on iTunes so that you can rate and review us there because that is the probably the most common place people can find the show. So if you leave a review there, that makes a big difference for the show. And uh, we really appreciate the, the folks that have done that so far. So uh, thank you for that. But um, make sure to come back tomorrow for another episode of The Thing Minutes. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to thethingminute.com. There you'll find the show notes with links to anything we talked about on this episode and lots of other resources on The Thing. You can also find us on Twitter at The Thing Minute and on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Thing Minute. But most importantly, subscribe, rate, and review us in iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. Check out other podcasts like this at moviesbyminutes.com and be sure to head over to starwarsminute.com to listen to the team that started it all. Thanks for listening, and until next time, this is Harper, signing out.